Morning, or this evening we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. And we danced around it this morning, but today we get, or tonight we get to go fully into it. But there's an old sea captain who was, uh, was he a new crew member who was on the boat or on the ship or, or however they say it? And they said, What steps would you take if a, a sudden storm uh, came up on starboard? And he asked the young man, Well, sir, said the uh, crew member, I'd throw out an anchor, sir. Oh, what would you do if another storm sprang up aft? And I'd throw out another anchor, sir. But what if a third storm sprang up forward? And well, I'd throw out another anchor, sir. And in just a minute, son, said the captain. Where in the world are you getting all these anchors? And he said, well, sir, I'm getting them from the same place that you're getting all your storms. <laughs> the Bible tells us the world is filled with storms. The Bible is filled with stories of the storms that the great men and women of faith encountered in their lives. And it doesn't matter uh, if you're reading about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses. We've seen those stories so far uh, in our daily reading. And soon we'll see David and Samuel and Esther and others. Every uh, great man and woman of faith encountered at least one crisis of that faith. And even Jesus warned us uh, repeatedly that life wouldn't be easy for those who follow him. But after telling us that, the Bible tells us we, there's one thing we still must not do. Jesus says, in the midst of those storms, the one thing you shouldn't do is worry. He said, therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Matthew 6, 25. Jesus said, don't worry about your life. Don't worry about having enough to eat. Don't worry about having good enough clothes to wear. Don't worry. He continues on in verse 26, look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So, why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Do not worry. And other scriptures say uh, exactly the same thing. Psalm 55, 22, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous fall. Psalm 62.8 declares, Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. And in the New Testament, Paul wrote, Do not be anxious for anything, Philippians 4.6. Peter wrote, Cast all your anxieties on him. So I am not supposed to worry. I'm not supposed to be anxious. But there's a problem here, because sometimes I do. Sometimes I do worry. Sometimes... Uh, I do get anxious. Why? Why do we get anxious? Why do we worry? And the Bible says, don't. We're not perfect. <laughs> it's 
probably, probably a good answer to all the discussion questions. Yeah, <laughs> we're not perfect. Why do we worry? Why do we get anxious? Yeah. How does he do it? Mixes doubt. Who knows? Surrounded by people who, uh, this morning we talked about 75 to 90% of uh, primary care visits, they say, are caused by stress and worry and fear uh, and all the symptoms of that. We're living in a world of fear, and that can rub off even on us. Why else? In Paul's letters to the Thessalonians in chapter 4, he writes about um, the second coming of Christ. And why does he say he writes that? So that we aren't ignorant, like others who don't have the same hope that we have. That we have a knowledge here that should give us hope, that should give us peace, that should sustain us from worry. Sometimes it doesn't, though. And we can list all sorts of reasons why that is practical, just things that happen in our lives that that make us worry. I don't have a job. I don't have very much money. I have a boatload of debt. I'm going through a divorce. My family's falling apart. list could go on and on and on. We could think of all sorts of uh, reasons that we blame our worry on. And the Bible tells me in the midst of those difficulties in my life, I'm still not supposed to worry. And that's great, right? That's so... uh, helpful to us you know we've got all these things going on in our lives and the bible just says stop stop worrying about it get over it you don't have to worry i feel better already right i mean if only i'd known i shouldn't have been worrying all that time i never would have right if only i would have known i wasn't supposed to be anxious everything would have been smooth sailing if only i knew i wasn't supposed to worry all my problems would be solved right that's how it works no not how it works does it And just because I decide not to worry doesn't mean my troubles pack up and disappear. Not worrying doesn't solve my problem. So then, why does God say that I shouldn't be anxious? Why I shouldn't be filled with worry if that doesn't really solve my problems? Well, the first thing we need to do is go back to this question here, this original question, why do I worry? Why do I get anxious? And we can give all kinds of things we worry about, but the root actually is very simple. I get anxious because there is something, like we said this morning, that I can't control. I don't have the money. I don't have the resources. I don't have the ability. I don't have the time. You name it, I don't have it. And essentially, the reason I worry is because there's a problem, and I can't think how I'm going to solve it on my own. I can't change it. I can't fix it. I can't do a a single thing to alter my situation, so I worry because I have a problem that I don't know how to fix. Okay, but does worrying solve that problem? No. And Jesus asked it this way, can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? What's the answer to that? Of course not. Of course not. Jesus says no. Worrying can't change that because worry doesn't fix anything. And so what Jesus is saying is this. Worrying 
It's worthless. We worry because we aren't in control, but the fact is worrying doesn't give us that control back. It, It just creates more problems for us. When your back is up against the wall, worrying is a worthless emotion. It doesn't change anything. It's worthless reaction to my problems. In fact, Worrying is worse than worthless. Worry not only doesn't change what you're facing, it it makes the situation I'm facing even worse. Corey Tim Boom was a uh, Holocaust survivor, written um, pretty, uh, a lot, I can't think of the word, prolifically, I guess that's the word. Worry doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrow, she wrote, it empties today of its strength. In fact, worrying not only robs today of its strength, when worry takes over my thinking, it robs me physically too. That's what we saw this morning. Uh, A doctor, a stomach specialist at Mayo Clinic said 80% of the stomach disorders that come to us, they're not organic. Most of our ills are caused by worry and fear. That's what we said this morning. Some 75% of doctor visits are stress-related. Worry is not the solution to our problem. It is our problem. Worry uh, just causes more difficulties for us. Now, Jesus said, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own, in Matthew 6, 34. Each day is going to have troubles. Even as a Christian, we're not going to be able to avoid those troubles. We're not in control, but worry doesn't help us. It hurts us. So one of the reasons we worry is because there's a situation we can't control. But another reason we worry is because we like to speculate. You know, we, we keep on spending our time supposing about things. I, I uh, read a story about a, a faithful but fairly poor Christian woman. She uh, was always cheerful and smiling, excited about life, but uh, she was so cheerful that a friend of hers decided she was too cheerful. In fact, it was unhealthy for her to be that cheerful. She needed a dose of uh, reality. She needed a dose of perspective. So the friend said to her, I know you're always smiling and you're always happy now, but the, this lax approach to life isn't realistic. I don't think you understand how what hard life can get. I, I mean, just suppose you get sick and weren't able to work, or suppose your employer moved away or lost your job, or, or suppose she went on and on, and all of a sudden the Christian lady stopped her friend. Stop that. I never suppose. Uh, the Lord is my shepherd, and I know I shall not want. You know, dear, it's all of that speculation, all that supposing that makes you so miserable, she said. Why don't you give up on it and just put your trust in the Lord? Uh, she said, I don't worry because I don't suppose anything. I put my mind on God. And I hate to say it, but worrying is a faith issue. It's an issue of our trust in God. And I say I hate to say that because the problem is I struggle with worry. I I think we all do. We all struggle with anxiety from time to time. But right here in the middle of Jesus' teaching here on doubt, he says, oh, you of little faith. And I think he could have put each and every one of our names in there at some point or another. Oh, you of little faith. Why are you worrying? Why are you doubting? Why are you anxious about this when you know what God has already done and will continue to do? Worry is a faith issue. Worry is when I put more faith in my problems and my solutions or lack thereof than I do in God's promises. And that's why so many scriptures point to this. Stress looking at God in the midst of our difficulties. Cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous 
fall. Look towards God. Cast your cares on the Lord. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Peter writes, cast all your anxiety on him, for he cares for you. You see, God will heal my doubt. God is the antidote for my anxiety. He's the fix for my lack of faith. And the Bible tells me that over and over and over again. So if that is true, and it is, how do I lay hold of God? How do I cast my cares on God when I'm in the midst of fear, when I'm in the midst of worry? Well, first, Jesus says it's a, a question of what you look at. Matthew 6, 22, it says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? That's just a few verses above what we read there in Matthew chapter 6. If I focus on doubt and fear and anxiety, if that's what my eyes are focusing on, then yeah, my whole life is going to be dark. It's going to seep into every part of me, and my body is going to be full of darkness. That doubt and fear will invade my soul, so I won't be able to see anything else. So Jesus says, stop looking there. Look somewhere else. Focus your eyes on God. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they are. He says, look at the birds of the air. Then in verse 29, see how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and is thrown into the fire tomorrow, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? He says, look at the birds. Look at the, the lilies of the field. When you and I get bogged down in fear or doubt or worry or anxiety, we need to look back to God. If we keep focusing on our problems, if we keep focusing on how we feel about those problems, we're never going to get out of that cycle. Pay attention to what God has already done. That's what Philippians 4 tells us. Paul writes, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men the Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Rejoice in the Lord always, and the peace of God will guard my heart and mind. How, how do I do that? How, when everything's going wrong, do I rejoice in the Lord? How, how do I find the strength to do that? Absolutely. What else? What is there to rejoice about when I'm tempted to worry? When I'm tempted to be afraid? I think that's pretty close to what Paul finishes this section with. Finally, brethren, 
whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. When everything looks disastrous, we can still rejoice because we can look at all the good that God is doing, has done, and will continue to do. Whatever is true, whatever is good, whatever is noble, just, pure, lovely, whatever things are of good report, focus on those things. Meditate on those things. I need to think of the things that God has already done, the things that are are true and noble and right and pure and lovely and, and admirable. And when I rejoice in those things that God has done, then the peace of God will be with me. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. When I do that, I'll replace doubt and fear with the peace of God. If we remember and we rejoice and we give thanks, then the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. So the first thing that I need to do to combat worry in my life, not just uh, stop worrying, but there's something I can do to make that happen. The first thing it is, is to look at Jesus. Look at God. Look at the things that he's already done. Don't set my eyes on the darkness, but set it on the light. Then Jesus tells me a second thing to do. Right in the middle of this discourse on doubt and faith, Jesus says this, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Matthew 6, 33. And what does it mean to seek something? It means to hunt for it, right? To to search diligently for it. Jesus is saying we need to desperately want God's kingdom and his righteousness in our lives. It needs to be the highest priority in our lives. And Jesus says when we do that, we won't worry. He'll reward us. He'll give us everything we need. That's the common theme for things that are important to God. When we seek, he rewards. Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, It is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. And what? What's the other thing that's required for faith? You have to believe he exists and... Hebrews 11.6 That he rewards those who what? Who seek him. You have to believe he exists, but more than that, more than just there's this apathetic God somewhere up there in the cosmos looking down on us judgmentally, We can't just believe that. We have to believe that there is a God who loves and cares for us, and he will reward those who earnestly seek him. Both are required for our faith. In order to please God, I must believe not only that he's just out there somewhere, that he exists and that I can see him. In order to please God, I have to have faith that that he's willing to reward me if I earnestly seek him. Keep your eyes on God, and you'll realize you're worrying about nothing because our God wants to reward us. You'll remember the great promise we have in Romans 8.32, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Now, one last thing. Matthew 6.32, Jesus said, your heavenly father knows that you need them. He knows what you need. He, he knows whether you need food or clothing or, or, or something else. Sometimes food and, and clothing isn't really what we need. That's just what we're focused on because our eyes are still focused on the darkness. Sometimes we need something else entirely. There's a young man who wasn't very religious. He once lost his job and he uh, grew more and more desperate about his situation until at last he, he went to see a, an old preacher that he knew. And he stood by the door and he, he poured out his heart uh, to the preacher. And then he, he angrily shouted, I've done everything. I begged and I begged God to say something to help me, preacher. Why 
doesn't God answer? And the old preacher, he was sitting across the room. Uh, he spoke a reply so quiet that the young man was able, unable to make it out. And the young man stepped across the room. You know, what did you say? And the preacher repeated himself again, uh, very soft tone. So the young man moved closer until he was almost leaning on the, the chair. He said, sorry, I, I still didn't hear you. And with their heads almost touching, bent together, the old preacher spoke once more. God sometimes whispers that we have to move closer to hear him. Sometimes that's what God requires of us. He just needs us to move in a little closer. He knows what we need. He knows everything about us. He knows the number of hairs on our head. Of course he knows when we need food and water and clothing. He knows everything. Sometimes we just need to lean in a little closer. Sometimes we just need to earnestly seek him. God knows everything we need. Sometimes that's different from what we think we need, but he knows and he is willing to give us greater things than we can ever imagine. But we've got to come close to him. Worry separates us. It undermines our faith. But we have a faithful God. If we hand our control over to him, if we give up our life and say it is now for God, if we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and we set our eyes on him, our life it's not going to be easy, but it will offer us a peace that transcends, surpasses all understanding. So if you want that kind of peace in your life, it starts by confessing Jesus as your master. Uh, that's why we always offer this invitation at the end of each service. If you are ready to repent of your 